0: Hi guys and welcome to episode 4 of Addicted to Crime. I'm your host Shelby Ninky. I don't have any news or announcements to make except to be sure to enter the giveaway if you haven't already. Tons of details on that on previous episodes and on our Instagram Facebook page. Thanks to all who have entered so far. We have a bunch of entries. It's going to be a huge help to keep us relevant and you're going to be entered to win the free sweatshirt. So that's all I got. Let's dive into the case. Today we are going to talk about Rebecca Schaefer, her tragic death, and the man who killed her. So let's start with Rebecca's early life. November 6th, the day after my birthday, 1967, Rebecca Schaefer was born to a Jewish family. Her mother, Dana, was a writer and she was an instructor at a Portland community college and her father, Dr. Benson Schaefer, worked as a child psychologist. She was born in Eugene, Oregon, and she grew up attending the very elite Lincoln High School in Portland. Her family was mostly based in Portland. They went to school there and worked there. She was very smart, and actually at her school, she joined a group called the Talented and Gifted Program, and so she was really moving up in her class. At first, when she was growing up, she wanted to be a rabbi, but then she became interested in drama and acting. She started modeling when she was in her junior year of high school. She was later approached by her hairdresser, Rick Putro, who noticed that she radiated and sparkled. She was meant for the big leagues. He put her in touch with a talent agency called Troutman Profiles, Inc. She started modeling by having appearances in commercials and in catalogs from different stores. She had an internship during the summer in New York, and that completely took her interest. She was hooked. She dropped out of high school before graduation, and she moved to New York to pursue her dreams as an actor in 1984. Her parents were very brave and supportive of her dreams, but of course, they had their worries and doubts. Her mother said that it was very hard for the first couple months, and she would just cry herself to sleep just missing her daughter, which hurts my heart. When Rebecca arrived in New York, she intended to join the professional children's school to finish her final year. This was a school or an academy for aspiring actors. Rebecca was fearless, and she took to living in the huge New York City well. However, Rebecca soon ran into some trouble. There were so many aspiring actresses and models in New York, and her height was an issue for her. She was only five foot seven, and in the modeling industry, that's on the short side. She even traveled to Japan in 1985, but she also ran into issues there with her height, so she came back to New York. So she went to New York, went to Japan, she realized that there were issues with modeling and so she threw her passion behind acting and she tried to start there. She found many roles. There was a walk-on role in Radio Days and there was even a small part in a soap opera. However, these roles weren't paying the bills and unfortunately her bills began to pile up. She actually started looking for jobs as a waitress just in a way to make some extra cash and pay off her bills so the year is 1986 and one day she opens her apartment door and discovers a note inside it's an invitation for an audition to the role of a cbs tv series called my sister sam she had been noticed by some tv producers while she was acting and they wanted her for the role of pam dauber's sister patty russell and this was a huge break for her and a great opportunity she packed up what little she had in new york and she made the long drive from there to los angeles california in her Volkswagen convertible and this role the role of patty was perfect for rebecca patty russell in the series was a fun loving free spirit girl and rebecca loved playing that part she was made for it the whole tv series family they embraced rebecca immediately and she fit in perfectly Unfortunately, though, critics didn't care for the film and it only aired from October 1986 to April 1988. The show still had fans, however, and one fan in particular would be the death of lovely up-and-coming Rebecca Schaefer. And that's where we'll stop with talking about The Shining Life of Rebecca and we're going to talk about the honestly very depressing tale of her killer. So let's talk about Robert John Bardo. Robert was born January 2nd, 1970. The family was a military family, the father was a non-commissioned officer in the Air Force, and they moved around frequently. Robert was the youngest of seven children, and after years of moving around, the family finally settled in Tucson, Arizona in 1983. Robert had a very troubling childhood. His whole family um, allegedly suffered from mental illness, and Robert himself suffered from bipolar disorder. He was horribly abused by one of his siblings, according to sources, and he even threatened to complete suicide. After he threatened to complete suicide, he was placed in foster care, and at only 15, he's going to be institutionalized to treat his mental health, and he's there for one month. Robert dropped out of high school when he was only in ninth grade. He worked as a janitor at a local fast food place, called Jack in the Box. According to sources, he had issues with violence and about a year and a half before he approached Rebecca and murdered her, he had actually been arrested three times before with charges of disorderly conduct and domestic violence. Even Robert's neighbors sensed that he was dangerous and threatening towards him. Before Robert ever became interested in Rebecca, he actually stalked another celebrity, Samantha Smith, but she tragically had died in a plane crash. In 1986, he then moved his attention to the young my sister sam actress rebecca schaefer robert started writing her fan mail and he sent her many many letters he was overjoyed one day when rebecca responded to one of his letters he wanted to meet rebecca and so he traveled to one of her sets in california he also brought a teddy bear and flowers to the site which both kind of creeps me out and it also breaks my heart a little bit honestly that he had this kind of obsession with her but he also wanted to make her happy with the flowers and the teddy bear But of course, the security guards at the door, they did their job and they didn't let him in. They instead, though, offered to take him back to his hotel so that he wouldn't have to walk back alone. So they were really kind to him. They weren't mean. And after this, though, Robert took it to mean that Rebecca chose not to see him. He began being very angry with her. He hired a private investigator for $250 to search for her home address. In July of 1989, Robert became just completely enraged with Rebecca. Rebecca had starred in the film called Scenes from the Class Struggle in Beverly Hills. And it was a comedy. And in one of her scenes, she had a sex scene with another man. And Robert was just furious because he took it as a betrayal. And he called Rebecca a horrible derogatory term and he said that she had, quote, lost her innocence, end quote, which is completely untrue and disgusting. And Robert was so wrong to think he owned Rebecca or had any part in her professional career at all. But this scene happened and Robert took it personally and he completely lost all his former love and infatuation with Rebecca at that point. He actually writes his sister a letter. And in this letter, he tells her about how he's obsessed with Rebecca and how he had left her at one point, but, and then she betrayed his trust with this sex scene. And I'm not pointing any blame at all. um, But in my opinion, if your relative writes you, and he's obviously unhealthy obsessed with Rebecca, right? He's obsessed with her and she's a movie star who lives in Hollywood, literally. And he threatens violence against her. And if your relative writes you and you you hear this and you see this, you need to get them some help. You need to call anyone. Even if you're far away, you need to get your loved one some help. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not blaming anyone again, but if we can walk away with this advice in our mind, then we're going to be better off. So he writes his sister this extremely erratic letter about what's going on. And he then goes to a gun shop to buy a gun. But thankfully, his background was actually flagged because of his previous struggles with mental health remember that when he was younger and he was actually banned from this particular gun store he was never allowed to buy a firearm from this store again so what he does is he tells his older brother edward to buy him a gun and this is where again in my opinion if robert's family would have been kind of communicating back and forth and maybe they were maybe they didn't see anything Too concerning in their mind, but if they would have been communicating back and forth, they would have put two and two together. They would have put together the betrayal that he felt by Rebecca. They would have put together that oh, now all of a sudden he wants to buy a gun. Maybe they could have stopped him from making a huge mistake. He's obviously spiraling, and again, it's just my opinion. So Robert convinces his brother Edward. He convinces him that it's just for target practice. He only wants the gun for target practice and he'll only shoot the gun when they are actually together and Edward unfortunately buys Robert a gun. Robert immediately takes off to go find Rebecca. He knew where she lived now because his PI, his private investigator, gave him her home address which get this he found by going to the DMV. So, he knew exactly where she was. All the investigator had to do was to go to the DMB, open up an inquiry, and find her address. At three years of stalking, it all comes down to this. He had an unhealthy obsession with Rebecca. He stalked her for three years, and now he is on her front door on July 18th, 1989. He knocked on the door and she rang down and asked who he was and what he was doing here. He actually told her that he had a script for her. Now Rebecca Schaefer was actually waiting for the script of The Godfather Part 3. It was a role she had auditioned to be on and she was most likely going to get and so she was awaiting the script. So she hurries down and runs to pick up the script. However, when she opens the door Robert is there. He introduces himself as her biggest fan and he asks for her autograph Rebecca is very pleasant during this whole encounter, which she did not have to be because he 100% overstepped and invaded her privacy, but she was still very polite and very kind. She gave him her autograph and wished him a nice day and shut the door. And Robert just stood there just like, wow, what just happened? He had traveled to Rebecca's home and he had just confronted her and he was so upset. And now all of a sudden he's kind of second guessing himself. Rebecca had been so kind to him. He just didn't know what to do. And honestly, if the story stopped right there, Robert hadn't hurt anyone at this point. No laws were broken except for just the invasion of privacy. And he could have taken this as a pleasant experience. He met his Hollywood idol and he could have gone home. But of course, I wouldn't be talking about this case if that's just what happened. Robert leaves Rebecca's apartment and he goes to eat at a diner and he orders breakfast. And he's just fuming and fumbling around the entire time. The diner staff actually noticed him while he was there. He then leaves the diner and he goes back to Rebecca's apartment. When Rebecca opens the door that second time, 19-year-old Robert fires at Rebecca with his handgun that he got from his brother Edward. He fires and he shoots her in the chest at point-blank range in her apartment door. Richard flees the scene and Rebecca is rushed to Cedars-Sinai Medical Center where she is pronounced dead only 30 minutes later. Robert was still nowhere to be found the next day however police would get a call because there was an erratic man running through traffic on interstate 10 and of course it was robert he was running back and forth out traffic and some people thought he was actually trying to commit suicide once he was brought into the station for questioning he immediately confessed to the killing of rebecca schaefer so you have his confession and you have the ballistics that matched the bullet that his brother purchased for Edward so already there's an extremely strong case built up against him and of course his years of writing letters to Rebecca Marsha Clark who is best known for being the lead prosecutor in the case against OJ Simpson she took the case against Robert she proved that he was guilty beyond a shadow of a doubt and robert was convicted of capital murder and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole it's just really sad story isn't it he's only 19 years old and he shoots and kills this woman ending not only his life but this beautiful innocent woman who didn't do anyone any harm after his trial, federal law regarding how the DMV handles personal addresses was changed. Thank goodness, because that was just, that was just an error. The Driver's Policy Protection Act, which prevents the DMV from releasing private addresses, was established in 1994. And after Rebecca's death, more laws were put into place for the first time to combat stalking and help protect people. And if you think about it, people who work in the movie industry in Hollywood they are actually in a very dangerous spot they're in the spotlight for a lot of people and who knows how many people like Robert will pop up in different actresses lives and that's really scary and and we know Selena Gomez has been stalked before and harassed and it's just really scary that people have to worry about their lives when in the film industry like this. Rebecca was a beautiful young girl she was a bright shining star and she had her whole future ahead of her And it was ended by this criminal, Robert. Robert was born in a rough life, and he needed so much mental help. Like we saw, both Robert and Rebecca's life was cut short, and it's just a very sad turn of events. RIP to Rebecca and to um, that beautiful girl, and I hope that her family has found some kind of peace. That's the end of episode four, The Sad Case of Rebecca Schaefer. Thanks for tuning in. It's a shorter episode today, but you know what? That's all right. Don't forget to join our Facebook and Instagram family at Addicted to Crime Podcast. I'm going to be posting pictures about this case there, and you can also find out more info about the sweatshirt giveaway that I mentioned. Also, check out our website, addictedtocrime.org, where you can find all the source material that I use, and then send us an email at im.com addictedtocrime at gmail.com for case suggestions. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. I'll see you next week. Stay safe.